0: see here this morning. You know, uh, this summer we're, we're uh, sharing a, a special series of messages called I Am. And it's not talking about so much the name of God, I Am, but our identity in Christ Jesus, who I am. Last week, Pastor Jay shared with you, I am blessed. Today, I want to declare to you I am victorious. Yes, I am victorious. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 15. Let me read that to you. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I haven't stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better I pray listen to this I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you might know the hope which he's called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him on the right hand in heavenly realms far above all rule and authority power and dominion and in every name that is invoked not only in the present age but also in the one to come and god placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church his body the fullness of him who fills everything in every way i'm here to tell you because of what god said in his word i am victorious. Now the word victory implies competition of some kind. There's all kind of competition, you know. There's, there's athletic competition like the NBA Finals that are going on. Or the College World Series is about to start. And then of course there's competition in like war. Sort of like the Iron Bowl. <clears throat> no really, competition involves things from something simple like athletics to Things like life and death, war, struggle for to literally survive. So, who wins? Well, when you have competition, somebody wants to win and somebody wants to stop you from winning. So who wins? The one who has the most power to exert over the other one? One's the victor, one is the vanquished. Clear winner. Clear loser. One's a victor. One's the vanquished. I'm here to tell you, I am the victor in Jesus. As you know from our passage of Scripture, we read, Paul had no problem whatsoever believing that we were the victors. Period. We're going to win. He had no problem believing that. Now, the problem was not that Paul... Uh, had a hard time believing it. it was that the Ephesians had a hard time believing it and he prayed something in verse 18 this is what he said I pray for your eyes to be enlightened you know just before World War II in this town in Texas, uh, Itasca, Texas there was a school fire that killed 236 children It's the most awful school fire ever in the history of the United States. There was not a family in town that wasn't somehow terribly touched by this horrific tragedy. Right after the war, the town got together and built a new school. And they featured in that school the finest sprinkler system ever invented up until that time. I'm talking it was all the bells and whistles. The greatest engineering feat, sprinkling system. The town was very proud of it. They, they literally took tours through to show people all about the new school and the sprinkler system and the safety measures. Never again would that kind of disaster happen to them again. About, oh, I guess it was about 30 years later in the mid-70s, the town had grown and they had to, they had to expand the school. They had to tear down some things and build the build school bigger. And when they did, they found out The sprinkler system had never been connected to the water supply. You know, that's sort of a parable of what happens in our lives sometimes. We call ourselves Christians. We claim the name of Jesus, but somehow the connection doesn't happen for victory. Somehow when the battle happens, there's no water connected to the pipes. Do you feel that way sometimes? Do you feel powerless and weak even though you know I'm a Christian, I'm not supposed to feel this way? Let me tell you something God has revealed to us all the truth we need. But Paul prayed that their spiritual eyes needed to be opened. I like what the New Living Translation says. I I think we've got it up there. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light. So you can understand the wonderful future he's promised to those he called. I want you to realize what a rich, glorious inheritance he's given to his people. Don't you like that phrase? Their eyes flooded with light. Flooded with light. I pray that our spiritual eyes, the eyes of our hearts will be flooded with this light. What is the heart? The heart is not just this organ inside the body that pumps When the Bible talks about the heart, He's talking about what makes you, you. Your heart is is who you are. It's your your will. It's your emotions. It's all those kind of things. It's your soul. That's your heart. He said, I want your heart, the eyes of your heart to be flooded with this light that says, you don't have to live in defeat. Somehow, there's got to make a connection. Something has got to Connect. Now, here are two things he said. I'm just going to follow this quickly. Here are two things he said. He said, I want the, your eyes to be flooded with the truth that, here's the first thing he said, that we have hope that he called us to. We have an inheritance. We have an inheritance. Uh, several years ago, I used to take Master's Commission every year to, to uh, Mardi Gras in New Orleans on, on Fat Tuesday. The big day of mardi gras and we did it to do street witnessing um i I really don't do that anymore It, it it was tough it was rough a lot of people just got out of the world and you take them and plop them right down the middle of new orleans on fat tuesdays not always the best thing i found that out by the hard way but anyway we would go for several years i think we went for about six six or seven years in a row and uh, I remember the first time I went, I, I, we, were, we were in Jackson Square, and right in, in the middle of Jackson Square is the big Catholic cathedral there, St. Uh, Louis Cathedral. And um, at 6.06 p.m. on Fat Tuesday, every year, a group of Satanists show up in front of the church. And they're all dressed in this satanic kind of garb. They have upside-down crosses and all these different things. They take a spear... They spear a Bible, they hold the Bible up, they light it on fire and burn the Bible in front of the cathedral. And all these people stand around and watch. Either they stand around and watch going, oh, that's cool. Or they stand around and watch going, oh, I oh, can't believe they're doing that." Whatever, they, they make a scene. I remember the first time I saw it, it just I just, I, I just lost it. I wanted, to just, I wanted to go jump on it and pull it down, you know. But let me tell you what. They can burn a book, but they can't burn God's Word. So anyway, I, I got to where I would tell our group before we went, look, when they burn the Bible in front of the church, don't freak out because this is our opportunity. We scatter out and stand around to all the people that are watching and you say, what do you think about that? And if they say, oh, I, I, I don't know what to think. I think that's terrible. Then talk to them about Jesus. And the Word of God will be a lot stronger than it would be in that book they're burning. Right. Then the Word of God is alive. Well, uh, we did that for several years. And I remember one night, one night when, when Fat Tuesday was over, and the, at 10 o'clock the police declare, everybody go home. At 10 o'clock, believe it or not, go home. And people start leaving. Most people are staggering out. And uh, I mean it literally looks like a war zone. There's all kind of junk laying around, people laying around in their own vomit. It's awful. And this guy, this Satanist high priest that I have seen for like six years, Walks up to me and says, "Hey, buddy, we won." And I just looked at him square in the eyes and I says, "Oh no, man! In the end, we win." And it was like that cartoon where, where uh, remember where the uh, the wolf comes to. Kill the sheep, and there's this cartoon dog that they check in. You don't know what I'm talking about? And then they fight each other, and then they go, See you tomorrow. And he said, See you next year. And it was so weird. But I I said to him, I'll never forget looking in his eyes and saying, Oh, nobody, in the end, we win. An inheritance is something that's yours, but it's not yet. It belongs to you, but you don't get it all yet. It's the already and the not yet. Pastor Jay mentioned that last week. We live in this fallen world. And sometimes we don't see everything working out the way we want it to. That's why when a Christian martyr, and there are hundreds of them, every week that die for the name of Jesus all over this world. That's why a Christian martyr doesn't lose. The world says he lost. Jesus says he won. That's why a person... Who is sick and that sickness may cause them to die. They don't lose if they're a believer, they win. Never forget Andrea Petrus. Some of you remember Andrea Petrus? Incredible woman of God. We loved her so much. She, um, she fought cancer for many years. And I, re- I was there the night that she went into the presence of the Lord and her family were standing around the bed. And I remember when Andrea took her last breath. And her daughter looked up at me and said, she won. And it was the most incredible thing. This peace came over all of us. Andrea Petrus's body succumbed to cancer. But Andrea won. She won because she did not succumb to cancer. Only her body did. I I wish it didn't happen like that. But we live in a fallen world. These bodies are going to die someday. But that doesn't mean we lose. No. For a believer, we win. We win. Well, you say, that's fine. That's great. I understand that. In heaven, everything's going to be okay. But how does that help me right now? How does that help me now? How does this distant hope of an inheritance help me now? The answer is the Scripture doesn't teach... That everything's just going to be in this blinding flash at the end, everything's going to be made all right. There's hope right now. That's why the scripture says this: Let your eye, the eyes of your heart, get flooded with this truth. Look at verse nineteen. There is an incomparably great power working in us right now. Right now. His incomparably great power, you'll look at verse 19 and 20, it uses lots of words for power and strength. There are four different Greek words that are used here. One of them is the word which we get the word dynamite from, explosive power. One of them is a word we get the word energy from. One of them is a word that means muscular strength. And one of them is a word that means courageous power. Four different words he stacked together to tell us what kind of victory we have, what kind of actual power we have while we're on this earth. God's power is all we need. He is sufficient. His power is sufficient for everything. Sometimes we get gripped by fear or inadequacy or insecurity, a feeling that we're powerless to change a circumstance. But the good news is, God's power is wrapped up in this person named Jesus Christ. That power exploded on the scene when Jesus rose from the dead. If you know Jesus and he lives in you, the greatest power in the universe lives in you. Now think about that. Paul didn't have any problem believing that we're victorious. Why? Because Jesus rose from the dead and he lives in you, a lot of us are like this guy that purchased a chainsaw at a hardware store. He brought it back to the hardware store and and said, "Man, this thing doesn't work." You told me that it would. I could cut down forty trees a day with this thing, and I'm telling you, I hadn't cut down but three. And I, and I, I, I the owner said, "Well, maybe maybe the." Maybe the teeth need to be sharp. Would you sharpen the teeth on this thing? And he said, sure. So he, he, he had it sharpened and everything, and he took it back home. And he came back a three, day, three days later and said, man, this is a piece of junk. I want my money back. You told me 40 trees a day, and I have only been able to cut down five trees. The store owner was just confounded. He said, man, this, this is a great chainsaw. This is the top-of-the-line chainsaw. And he Took it over there and he pulled the cord and it roared to life real quick the guy said hey what's that noise okay five trees is pretty amazing when I mean, you think about it you know that's sort of that's sort of like it is God has given us incredible power some people just never have pulled the cord yet they don't understand what actually God has provided for us in power. About a year ago, I, I visited a man in our church who was dying of cancer. It was clear to me and everyone else that these were his last few days. He had lived a rough life, had struggled with alcoholism, before he would become a Christian a couple of years earlier. He was dying. I saw fear in his eyes. And I began to talk to him and, and and he looked at me and said, Preacher, are you sure I'm not gonna to have to answer for all those things I did? I told him about forgiveness and how deep and wide forgiveness was. I told him about what salvation really was. I told him about how God removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. I told him that God always keeps his promises. I told him I wasn't an expert on death, but I know someone who is. I know the one who got up from the dead. His name is Jesus. He holds the key of death in his hand. I reminded reminded him of the phrase, fear not, that, by the way, in the Bible occurs 365 times. That's one fear not for every day of the year. Because we need it. I held his hand and I said, look, When the moment comes, don't be afraid. Just call out the name of Jesus and he'll be there. I told him, I didn't know about death by personal experience. But I know the one who stands at the door and will be waiting on him. Then I quoted Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Then I prayed with him and after I prayed with him I saw this smile creep across his face and this assurance. Two days later he went to be with the Lord and God kept his word. You see, God's power was not with him after he died. God's power was with him right then to take him through what he needed to walk through. Because his power is with us now, not just in the future. If the cross is the greatest display of God's love, then the resurrection is the greatest declaration of his power. There's this Austrian town named Weidhofen. Weidhofen, Austria. There's this clock tower that they built with a real tall tower, and it has a clock on it, but the clock doesn't work. It never did. It was built in 1542 to commemorate a a battle that this town won over the invading Turkish armies. And the clock was set for 11.45 a.m. exactly when the tide of the battle turned. They never intended on that clock to work. They wanted to make sure it was frozen in place to remind people they had won a victory. Folks... That is what the cross of Jesus is for us. That is what the, resi- the empty tomb is for us. It is the sign. We have won the victory. The tide has turned. We're enjoying walking with God today because of the event that happened. That's the, the frozen moment in time when Jesus conquered death. I want to tell you something about His power. His power is eternal and it's, it's In no way temporary. It was permanent. It's eternal. You see, when Lazarus rose from the dead, that was temporary. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, it was temporary. You know why? Because he died again. When Elijah um, prayed and the young boy came back to life in in 1 Kings, that was temporary. That wasn't permanent because the little guy grew up and died again. I want to tell you what. When God raised Jesus from the dead... That is permanent. That is eternal. Death is swallowed up in victory. That's why he said, Death, where is your victory? Grave, where is your sting? You know why? Because Jesus has won it permanently. And it's not just a power over death. We've talked a a lot about death. It's not just that he won over death, he won over sin, he won over the devil. We're not struggling to win over sin or over the devil, we've already won you hear that? We've already won. Sin is the root of all the works of the devil. Y'all know that's true. Sin is the root. (laughs) To destroy the works of the devil, we have to have the power of God that can overrule sin. Not long ago, there was a a guy that came to speak with me, talk with me in my office, and uh, he had just real confused and a lot of anguish on his eyes he, he just said I just feel I feel so weak so helpless he told me about a struggle that he had had all of his life he had just fought with this terrible struggle with sin and, and things would go fine and then all of a sudden he would just be overwhelmed again it would fall right back into where he'd come from and it, it was bringing destruction to his family it was bringing destruction to his life and he said I'll try to work myself up and, and be ready for the attack and I just can't handle it he says, I, I put scriptures all over the house and I, and I, and I always try to, try, try to go to church as often as I can and I, and, I, and I watch Joel Osteen on TV and I do all these kind of things to build myself up. He said, I just can't make it. We got to talking and, I, and I, t- I started talking about the power of Jesus when he rose from the dead about how he has all power even over sin. I said, you know what? You're trying to work yourself up to be strong. You try to work yourself up to be strong and to prove God, I'm strong now. I've memorized these scriptures, I got all these, uh, I, I'm strong now. I've been to church now a whole month, every Sunday for a month. I'm strong now. You gotta understand about something about God's power. God's power is perfected in your weakness, not in your strength. God's power has perfected your weakness. I said, you know what? Instead of you being sublime strong. Why don't you, when you get hit by the the temptation, run, fall on your knees and go, God, I can't do this on my own. Help me now. Help me. Why don't you call somebody and say, I can't do this. Pray for me. Because his power is when your power runs out. He told me recently that that conversation changed his life. Changed his life because it's not our power. It's God's power that works in us. And I know that sounds like I'm just playing with words, but it's true. It's really true. Lord, I can't handle this myself. I can't control myself. God, if you don't help me, I'm sunk. That's exactly where God wants you to be. I want to tell you something. This is a fact. The power of sin and the works of the devil have been nailed to the cross. And they've been destroyed. What works of the devil? Well, how about the power of sin? The power of death? The power of fear? The spirit of oppression? The spirit of possession? The spirit of manipulation? The spirit of infirmity? The spirit of disease and sickness? The spirit of calamity? Setbacks and failures? The spirit of faithlessness? The spirit of disappointment? The spirit of poverty? We have won over all of those things. Not just in the future. Now! Now, Romans 8, 37, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors, victorious. The Ephesians were just sort of like the guy I was counseling. What the scriptures actually teach about God's power had never dawned on him. His eyes had never been enlightened. It's not just going to happen at the moment, the resurrection of the dead in the end time. It can happen right now in your life. God can open up your eyes. There's something that needs to happen now. The new creation of God is happening in us right now. And we are victorious. John 16, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Did you hear that? Take heart. Don't be discouraged that you're a failure. Take heart. God in you can overcome the world. Ephesians 1, toward the end it says, Jesus is far above all authorities and powers and dominions. He's seated up there. He's sitting down now. It's done. He's not fighting for it anymore. He won. It's done. Those of you that have been involved in deliverance ministry know that when, when sometimes when a spirit fights coming out of someone and, and them becoming free, sometimes I like to just speak to that spirit and say, Spirit, you know what Jesus did on the cross. You saw what he did. You know he rose from the dead, so you have absolutely no power to hold this person because Jesus has set them free. Folks, that's what God's trying to say to us today. It's what he's trying to say to the Ephesians. Let your heart be flooded with this truth. Because of the incredible power of Jesus who rose from the dead I am victorious both in the future and in the now I am victorious would you bow your heads for a moment everybody just bow your heads for a second I'm just going to give you an opportunity in a moment. I'm going to actually ask our altar workers if you'll come and stand at the front, our prayer team. And our musicians are coming. I just want to ask you to listen to me just for a second. You know, some of you have struggled greatly in your life. Some of you have struggled immensely with failure in your Christian life. And maybe the thing you need to pray is, God, enlighten my eyes. That's what Paul said to pray, that your eyes may be open, flooded with the truth that you have already won. To somehow grasp a hold of that, not just in your mind, but in your heart. To be able to be at a place where you let God's power work in you and not your own. Maybe you're having a hard time conquering sin. Maybe you're having a hard time with forgiveness. Maybe you're having a hard time with... um, Uh, Anger and rage. Maybe you're having a hard time with even believing that you belong to Christ. Listen the battle is over. He is victorious and you get to be on his team. Father in Jesus name I pray that as the music begins that you will draw hearts to someone at the front here who can just pray with them and say in Jesus name you are victorious. God, I pray you would open the eyes of hearts in this place. Open their eyes, Father. Enlighten their hearts. Flood them with the truth. We win in the end and now. Would everyone stand together with me? As they begin to sing, I'm just going to ask you. To make your way to some of the uh, prayer team members down here, and just let them agree with you that your eyes will be opened to what you can be in Christ. Would you come? Would you step out and come? Right now? Step out and come now, right if you will. Step out and come. I am all. He says I am. I am all. I'm victorious. He says come I am. Come, let someone agree with you right now in the name of Jesus. He says Step in the name of Jesus. Listen to what God says to you. Is he whispers in my ear, tells me that I'm fearless. Yes. He shares a melody, tells me yes. to remember. Father, I want to thank you so much for your word that is so rich to tell us we are victorious. And Father, I pray that as people lead the service, both those that have come to the front and those that are remaining in the pew, Father, that they will walk out of here knowing the power that resides in them is greater than any they will face this week. team is waiting on any and thank you so much for coming this morning. Feel free to come and pray.